I want to thank our youth for leading worship last week. Uh, that's a great tradition here at Woodmont. I want to thank the graduating seniors for sharing the, the messages. And I want them to know that we are very proud of each of you, and we are excited for what the next chapter of life has in store. I also want to thank Chris and Jenny and Mariah uh, and all of our other leaders that pour into the lives of our young people, our youth, week in and, and week out. It makes such a difference, and, and we are grateful. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago that the youth that preached last week were making their way down the aisle to be a part of the, the children's moment, and now they're about to head off to college. Time moves quickly. Seasons change. Life presses on. Children grow up. And that's part of what we've been talking about in this wisdom series based on Ecclesiastes. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Today I'd like to talk about the concept of success and how we understand it. This time of year, many graduates are sent off into the next chapter of life, some to college, some beyond, and they're told to go and be successful. But what is success? How do you know if you are living a successful life? Uh, our world has defined success in a, in a certain way. It's basically tied to your career and to making money. You're successful if you are good at your job and if you can make money doing it. And the more money you make, the more successful you are, right? But truth be told, this is a very limited definition of success. It's too narrow. And I would even say, too shallow. We should ask some other questions like, are we successful in our Christian faith? Are we successful in our marriage? Are we successful in raising our children? Are we successful in our friendships? Are we successful in being grandparents? Are we successful in serving and supporting the church and encouraging our young people? Success does not just pertain to our jobs and our bank accounts. There are many other areas to consider. In Ecclesiastes 9, Solomon writes these words. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to the skillful, but time and chance happen to them all. For no one can anticipate the time of disaster, like fish taken in a cruel net, and like birds caught in a snare. So mortals are snared at a time of calamity when it suddenly falls upon. I think that this is Solomon saying that there are lots of things in life that happen. Much of it we don't understand, and a lot of it doesn't make sense. And sometimes when you read Ecclesiastes, you can start to feel a sense of despair, and you can say, well, well what's the sense of it all? But then at the end of the, the book, Solomon answers the question in chapter 12, Pharaoh read it, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for that is the whole duty of everyone. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
At the beginning of uh, the series, I mentioned two books, and they're going to be on my summer reading list this summer. One is Tully Quinn's book, and the second is Arthur Brooks's book called From Strength to Strength. And in that book, he has a chapter that's called Kick Your Success Addiction. And he basically argues that many people become workaholics in life because they are addicted to success. They are terrified of failure. They are defined by their job and they don't know how to stop working. And so basically it's all that they do all the time. Brooks says many success addicts confess that they feel like losers when they see someone else who is yet more successful. Success is fundamentally positional, meaning It enhances our position in the social hierarchies. In our culture, success basically becomes a way to position ourselves related to other people. But remember, Teddy Roosevelt called social comparison the primary thief of joy. Today, what I'd like to do is offer you five alternative definitions or understandings of success that aren't necessarily related to money and career. Not that those are bad, but these are five different ways to think about success in in your life. The first one is this. Success means learning to make the most out of the stage of life that you are currently in. Learning to make the most out of the stage of life that you are currently in. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Too many people in our culture live their lives regretting the past or anxious and worried about the future. But here's the truth. We all have to enjoy the stage of life that we're in and make the most of it because it won't last. If you're young and in college, then enjoy being young and in college. Wouldn't mind having those years back, right? If you're in your 20s and single, then enjoy being in your 20s and single. If you're newly married, then enjoy that time with your spouse. If you have young children, then try to enjoy the time that you have with your young children before they grow up. If your kids are in high school, enjoy them before they go off to college and you have an empty nest. If you're retired, then do the things that you always look forward to doing one day when you're retired. A successful life means that you learn to enjoy the stage of life that you are in and you make the most of it. And I'm going to share a point with you at the end of the message that I think drives home this point. Second thought, a successful life means that you get over yourself and you learn to live for others. What did Jesus say? If anyone to become my followers, let them deny self, take up their cross and follow me. This past Monday night, I I was uh, in the chapel listening to all the vision task forces report what they've talked about and what they've planned. And, And I was listening to all the different things that Woodmont does to help people, uh, to help people. In fact, um, uh, Porter Meadows, one of our elders made a comment during his report. He said, he said, humanity is beaten up perhaps more beaten up than it's ever been before at this very moment. And we all know why. We can all give our reasons why. But I was listening to us talk about AA and Al-Anon, Stephen Ministry to Meal Trains for Babies, Room in the Inn to the Morgan Scott Project. We have a group there this weekend. And then on Wednesday night, came back and heard Stephen Debla Forge talk about going to Romania and being on the Ukraine border and helping those families who've been driven from their homes because of the senseless war. 
It was powerful. And when you begin to live your life in a way where you move beyond self and you do whatever you can to help other people, then you're the one who's blessed. You're the one who has changed. That's why the third part of our mission statement is serving others because that's what liberates us. That's what sets our soul free when we go and live for other people. And here's the thing. Every single day, we have opportunities to help other people, to spread Christ's love. It might be small or subtle, but it's always there. At work, at school, at the ball field. Harold Kushner once said, if you're feeling down on yourself, then go help somebody else out. That'll make you feel better. Third, a successful life for Christians means that you're always trying to cultivate Christ-like character. Now, we're not Jesus, and we, we all mess up. Some people think they're Jesus, but we're not Jesus, and we all mess up. We all say and do things that we would like to take back, but we should study the Scripture to understand what he said, what he did, what he taught, how he healed, and we should study Scriptures like Ecclesiastes to find words of wisdom that we can apply to our lives. We can't follow Jesus unless we know what he's asking us to do. Love God, love your neighbor, treat others the way you want to be treated, forgive, don't judge, help the least of these, speak up for those without a voice, show mercy, pray all the time. And when we do this, we will find that we are more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, kinder, gentler, and have better self-control. This is the good fruit that we can bear when Christ comes into our hearts. And guess what? Faith can't just all be in our head. It has to be in the heart. When I came to Woodmont 15 years ago, almost this summer, they told me that they wanted sermons that would touch both head and heart. And I've always tried to do that because faith cannot be just in your head. It cannot just be in your heart. It has to be in both. There are some churches that are really good at the head part And there are some churches that are really good at the hard part, but I think we're called to have both, to have a balance of both. If we follow Jesus, then we're going to be asked to do some things that will make us uncomfortable, and that's okay. Jesus wants us out of our comfort zones because far too many of us have become complacent, and you could even say lazy. Fourth, a successful life means giving our spouses, our family, and our friends our best selves. Let me say that again. Giving our spouses, our families, and our friends our best selves. Love starts at home. If I can't be a good husband to Megan, a good father to my three children, if I can't be there for my close friends, then I probably don't have any business trying to take care of a bunch of other people. It has to start at home. God gave us the Ten Commandments, and you know what they are. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a graven image. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness, and you shall not covet. When we don't follow these laws, life gets really ugly and really complicated. God gives us these commandments for our own well-being. 
And they apply to our closest relationships. Again, Ecclesiastes 12, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fifth, a successful life means constantly working to overcome pride and ego and embrace humility. C.S. Lewis, a great Christian apologist, called pride a spiritual cancer. He said, this is the underlying cause of pretty much every sin. Thomas Aquinas defined pride as an excessive desire for one's own excellence, which then leads to misery. Pride and ego get in the way of so many things. And I think Solomon figured this out at the end of his life. Solomon, who had everything under the sun, any material possession you could imagine, any type of privilege you could imagine, anything, he finally concluded that so much of it is empty and meaningless, chasing after the wind, and it's pride and a desire to feel important that often get in our way. In giving the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus said, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. One of the things that David Brooks says in The Road to Character, he says, pride is the central vice. Pride blinds us to our own weaknesses and leads us into thinking that that we are better than we are. Pride makes it harder to be vulnerable before those whose love we need. And so we are always working to combat our pride and our ego. This is a lifelong battle. And I don't know if it's easier or harder as you get older. Probably depends on who you talk to. Probably depends on how many times life has knocked you down. These are some alternative thoughts to what I think it means to live a successful and meaningful life. And and I think the bottom line is we have to expand our understanding of what success is and what it looks like in the different arenas of our lives. Now I wanna close, like I told you, with a poem that I think drives this home and I'll leave you with these words today. When I was young and in my teens, I dreamt of things to be. The day I got behind the wheel would set my spirit free. I knew the time would surely come I'd hold that sweet diploma. So full of dreams and youthful schemes, the smell of sweet aroma. Thoughts of college filled my head. Excited, I could not wait. Surely I would find myself and come to know my fate. With my degree, I had it made. My life was looking up. Into the working world I went, a time to fill my cup. With wedding bliss, the one I loved, This was my bag of tea, a lovely home, a tiny child, so much was yet to be. The ladder of success I'd climbed, I'd reached my goal in life. With no time left for anything, my life was filled with strife. Now middle-aged, my parents gone, the aches and pains set in. The children grown and on their own, I felt a grief within. The golden years were closing in, retirement was to come. I'd waited all those years for this. Old age had now begun. Now wise and gray, I think about those years so long ago and how I'd hoped for them to pass, a better life to show. But through it all, I missed the boat. Be happy where you are. For if you wish your life away, you'll miss the shining star. Today is all that matters, a gift from God above. Unwrap the many treasures and fill your hearts with love. Whether nine or 99, it never is too late. 
to find the joy in living, to pray and meditate. For fretting just brings sorrow. Today is full of spring. There's beauty in this hour and joy that it will bring. So forget your toils and troubles. Don't think about the past. Today is filled with sunshine, with blessings built to last. We can be successful if we can live every stage of life in faith and to the fullest. Amen.